So welcome everybody to another edition of the Falcon Paladin Hour. Along with Wade today, yep. we have a very special guest. You may recognize him as the old dude. <laughs> I've featured his replays on the channel before, and he screens replays for me, and he is here on the podcast in the flesh. Is this flesh? <laughs> Does this count? Really? I think it counts. I think it's a little bit more intimate than just casting one of your replays on YouTube. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Well, we got to get you to cast another one. I mean, people love the old dude. That's very true. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for another old dude replay with some creative, uh, creative shenanigans well, I, in there. I play under my other name because I'm a bit salty. So ah, the, the old you dude is get a the, reputation. The old dude is the nice player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you let all the anger out on your alt account. Well, and if you you're know, feeling okay about things. It's the old dude. It's yeah. It usually, it, sometimes I forget and I start playing as the old dude. And I, oh gosh, I gotta be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have to play nice. Yeah, I think everybody's felt that salt one time or another on the ladder for sure. Oh yeah. Yes. So the reason we brought the old dude in is because I felt like it'd be a good idea to get a perspective on somebody who's been gaming for a very, very long time. Um, we were just kind of chatting a little bit before we started recording here, and um, basically, I, f I, f I feel like I feel like the old dude here has some good stories to tell us about how he got into gaming and where his love of StarCraft came from. And I guess the first question I just want to ask is, what's the first video game you remember playing, and what was it, and when? Oh man, it had to be Mario Brothers. Well, no, no, no. Let's go back because I played in the arcades. I'm thinking about you know consoles. Um, yeah, I used to go, um, you know, growing up, we had pinball machines, and then eventually they had, you know, they started replacing them with the uh, pretty cool machines. The only one I ever liked was the Star Wars. Um, it was, you know, with the green lines and the old sort of DOS look to it, but it was in an arcade, and um, I got really good at it. And I'd take my lunch hour, I worked at a department store, and I... Uh, would go down to the arcade and put a quarter in and I'd play for the whole hour and it was hot in there. I'd had a tile and I'd come out soaking, soaking wet with sweat and uh, <laughs> go back to selling TVs, um, which is what I was doing at the time. And I got really good at it. It was like, there was one other guy I kept, you know, getting the top score when I'd walk away, come back. Who is this guy? I got to beat him again. You know, it was, <laughs> but it was, it's, you guys know it's an, it's really an addiction. And, um, uh, I don't consider it a bad one, but um, as long as you moderate, <laughs> it's like anything. But that was yeah, the absolutely first true. One. So I think I think I found it here. Um, it's called Star Wars: The Arcade Game, very creatively. And I th I think I just threw a screen cap from it into our chat here. If you can see that at all, let's see. You know, it's the cool thing they get all these things. Oh yeah, it was like that. Yeah. And when you <clears throat> you flew down through the, you had to, you know, you had to fly up and down and left and right and shoot things out of the way. And I like those kind of games. Um, the the other game later on that I really loved was Star Fox, on one of the oh consoles yeah, because it was it really let you fly. And uh, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he's a pilot for major airline. He's got. It's apparently the biggest TV you can get with the whole thing and then the flying thing. And uh, so I want to go see that. So like flight sim stuff? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that is really those are some really fun things for sure. I remember one, one of my first flying games ever was uh, X-wing versus Tie Fighter. I think I had kind of dabbled in the original X-wing before for DOS, but then X-wing versus Tie Fighter for Windows XP was one of the first games that I was just way, way into. Sunk a ton of time into, and that it was really fun to be able to play both uh, for the Empire and for the Rebellion. So you had all the X-wings and all the Tie Fighters and A-wings and Y-wings and B-wings and everything else you could ever want and uh, pretty good um, missions to run as well, and then just some really fun multiplayer stuff that I did th- with my friends from time to time too. So it's in, for my book, still one of the better uh, Star Wars multiplayer flying experiences. Well, you know, I went through the the whole gosh, you know, all the consoles. Um, what was the first one? You played Pom on it, you know, and uh, Atari. Yeah, yeah, the Atari, and we had them all. And um, you know, my kids were little, and and. Um, I started to tell you, my son, um, you know, he bonked his head on the block in Mario Brothers and he couldn't read it. And he's four years old. And within two months, he could read. And, uh, and you know, this is the same kid who started teaching himself computer programming. And, um, you know, he walked up to me and he said, we got to go to the store. I was, what for? We're going to get StarCraft. It comes out today. <laughs> <What's> Starcraft, <laughs> and so that's when um, our real my real addiction because I I play it every day. I imagine some people my age would be look at me very funny if they knew that. You know, um, I don't share it that much with people out in the world. You know, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, oh, I get that. So since nineteen ninety eight, then, yep, twenty years. Yeah, yeah that see, is, I'm that 63, is the... so I was 43. Yeah, <laughs> when I started. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a bit outside the normal age range, I think, for what they were planning on marketing the game to. But... You know, I I think that I'd love to know the demographics because when I took the old dude seriously, you know, as a clan, um, I was finding guys every day, and there's guys oh. that are in their 70s that I've run into, and um, when they beat you. And they're 10 years older than you. I imagine it's funny when you're 28, you know, and they're 38. And I had right. a guy beat me a month or two ago, and he told me he was 76. <laughs> and and I, I test them. I go, you're 76? Who was president in 1960? And, and he knew <laughs> right away, you know. Um, oh. So you could figure it out because you can Google it. but And you might know if you're a real history buff. But, um, I mean... Uh, it's it's amazing um, how many older players there are, and uh, I still run into them. But you know, running a clan was not my deal. I'm too much of a loner. <laughs> well, fair enough. So let's see. You play Protoss. Have you always played Protoss since you first started uh, the StarCraft? You know, um, StarCraft Two is when I started playing Protoss all the time. But yeah, for the most part, that's all I ever played, and. Um, you know, I played Terran in the, you know, the, the first couple versions and uh, would just try different ones. But I, for some reason, and, and it's, I just remember as Protoss, I would get walloped by everybody that was Terran. And so I, I think I'm like a lot of players, I get ticked off at the, those Terrans, I don't like those guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes those Terrans. Yeah, no. I mean, really, you know. Uh, they do weird stuff, and uh, <laughs> but with with the newest versions, um, suddenly 
uh, Protoss became, I think, more equal than it ever was. Terrans could drop too quickly in the early games. They could just build a bunch of Marines. And if you weren't very good at the game, you didn't know how to defend against it. So, um, it, it, and, and I'm one of those stubborn people. I wanted to teach myself. <clears throat> and I run into them on, on Battle.net all the time. They want to teach themselves. They don't, do you ever go watch videos? No. <laughs> I'm like, check out Falcon Paladin. <laughs> <laughs> it does help to watch the pros play. I know that for sure. Oh, I played StarCraft 1 for many years without ever being aware there was a professional scene at all. I didn't. I just figured people played it with their friends and that was the the extent of it. And I remember when I found out there was a pro scene in like 2006, 2007, my mind was blown. There were these huge arenas in Korea where people were cheering these guys on and watching them play, it was like they were playing a different game. It's like, okay, what is this? I recognize the units, but everything is so much faster and smarter that I was just blown away. And it really introduced me to the fact that these games can be played um, in a different way than I had been playing them. So definitely inspirational too. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, my mom, you know, past years ago of Alzheimer's and the fear of it, when you have it in your family, it's always there. It, you don't freak out about it or anything, but so I started doing more and more things that were mind exercises and video games was one of them. And I, I think that's my justification these days. You know, why do you play so many video games? Well, I don't, I play one, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I used to play a bunch and, and, uh, and I'd stay up until four in the morning trying to beat Final Fantasy four or whatever it was. And, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the Final Fantasy is definitely very, very good. I actually saw Zombie Grub. She's playing Final Fantasy six, a remastered edition. After I cast with her on Saturday, she pulled that up for her Twitch stream. I was like, oh, good times. Because it was six, which I'd played back on the, uh, I believe it's the Super Nintendo when it was originally in America. Um, but then it was a remastered version. So everything was prettier, a little bit easier to do. They kind of, uh, switched around the controls and stuff, but yeah, definitely good mem memories for sure. <laughs> How about you, Wade? Any final <laughs> fantasy in your gaming history? Final fantasy seven is. is basically the first game I ever played. Ah, yeah. Uh, seven. That was the first one for the PlayStation, right? Yes. The PlayStation one. It was something like crash bandicoot, uh, and Final Fantasy were two of the first games I ever played. I don't remember which one's first, but I played so much Final Fantasy VII that when I remember being in, you know, like year five or six, and I had to do like a write about like what you did on the weekend because you know you're still like <laughs> learning words, and I'm just like I played Final Fantasy the whole time. Yeah, the whole time, and I, and basically halfway through, and I'd be like, yeah. So I got like forty minutes in, and then restarted uh, because I you know i'd change what my one of my characters names to be like i've repurchased that game so many times i can't count i've got it on my tablet on my pc i've got uh, the original playstation one version i'm waiting for the remastered version to come out the remastered which might never come out let's be honest is actually yeah. it's gonna be for the playstation 4 <laughs> isn't it uh playstation 4 pc and xbox one. Oh my goodness cross-platform functionality that's amazing well no it'll be available on multiple platforms they won't be able to have cross-platform stuff I very much right, thought right. it was. It's a single player yes, game. Yes, yes, right. I just meant that it's available <laughs> on the Xbox, PC, and PlayStation. Like, name how many other titles were that's true? Uh, for the older Final Fantasy games, like Square Enix yes. definitely prefers Sony platforms. That's true, but uh, they've brought out most of their Final Fantasy games on PC now. And there's a couple on Xbox, but it's like Final Fantasy Type Zero, which 
nobody's actually played outside of Japan. <laughs> no, I didn't know it existed. Exactly. Yeah, and the Final Fantasy games were on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo back before Play or Sony actually had a console. So mm. I guess there was some kind of a relationship there. I think it was my thirteenth uh, birthday. My dad got me a Game Boy Advance game called Final Fantasy One and Two: Dawn of Souls. So I also played those games basically everywhere like i'd stay up at night and i shared a room with my brother when i was little so we had bunk beds and i would put my head under the like blanket and just be on my game boy playing final fantasy all night until the battery basically ran out and then i'd be dead tired for school the next morning but it was was, definitely worth it (laughs) definitely say you had very permissive parents because if i ever tried that my parents would come in and catch me and ground me for a week if i tried something like that (laughs) well how would they find me they'd check when what do you mean when? After yeah, they put really? you to bed. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. Wow. No, not a lot. Uh, and yeah, if that's I, what I'm like, saying. I mean, if I heard them coming, I just, you know, because it's a Game Boy Advance, you could just close the lid and then the light went away and it looked like I'm asleep because if I turned the light on, they'd know I'd wake up. All right. That's a good point. I suppose you could have still gotten away with it. Where there's a will. Yeah, exactly. There's exactly. a will. There's always a way. How about you, the old dude? Did you ever have to take away video games from your kids? Yeah. Not too often. They were pretty good, you know, except for on rare occasions. And, you know, you got to remember, my generation believed in corporal punishment. So I didn't have to take stuff away. (laughs) (laughs) You just brought the paddle out. Well, whatever, Mm. you know. Um, Tree switch? Thankfully. My dad just used his belt. Yeah, oh, yeah, belt. I forgot about the good old belt. You know, I didn't. I didn't ever have to do that much. I'll say that. You know, uh, that's good. I want to do it now that they're grown, but that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot harder to pull off when they're uh, bigger than you. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so parenting in 2018 is a different. Uh, it's a different game. We don't really have the belt option anymore. So I've had to take away the screens for my kids for a couple days because there were some D's coming in on the report cards, but. They got the message. They figured it out. They got them back. Education is important. Stay in school. Well, That's when you right. got stay in school, kids. When you got one of your kids is basically, you know, I know his IQ was like one thirty or forty or something like that, and, and um, as soon as he had a computer, I mean, you know, he had the internet rather young, and uh, it's a whole different life than I grew up. Mm. I grew up and we went outside and we played sports and we wrestled in the backyard and fell into the, uh, uh, you know overflowing cesspool and we run through it with the football and it was all great you know um got a stick shaped like a gun and ran around you know um stepped on rusty nails got tetanus did that that great stuff yeah i did that yeah and uh, by the time my kids were growing up it's you know you you didn't really want to have anybody say that you hit the kid to discipline them and um right because to me i i never used anything that would have done any permanent damage, but it left mm-hmm. a mark. And um, right. I actually think it's part of what's missing right now. But, uh, you know, uh, tough love is tough. And, and um, but uh, I don't know. My kids are okay. They did pretty good. And he's, like I said, he's a self-taught software developer. He makes good money and works for a big company. And, you know, it's like... They haven't been to prison. I think you can consider yourself a decent parent. The other one's in the Navy. So you know, it's, so far, I haven't heard he's been thrown in the brig, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. They don't tell you is what you're saying. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, 
sooner or later, your kids are still young. Sooner or later, one of them's yeah. going to call you up in the middle of the night and say, can you come and get me? Can you come hide this body? <laughs> or or worse yet, like I, I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and had my phone in my sweatpants and it's ringing. I'm like, what? It's three o'clock in the morning. Where and it's my you? son. And he's in <laughs> South Georgia. And I'm like, what? I answered the phone and he probably wouldn't like me telling the story, but I answered the phone and he's, He's like, maybe you better talk to the officer. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's how it starts. That's not a good phone call. No, and, and um, he's a good kid, though. And uh, he's working hard. And he's out there protecting us from the, uh, uh, you know, he's on the ships out there off Korea for, for the last couple of years, on and off. And, hmm. you know, that can be an exciting part of the world for sure. Uh, I, you know, he's gone all over the place out there. And, uh, Gotten to see a lot of things I've never seen. But kids growing up, they, they always get difficult. I mean, you love them no matter what, you know. And God forbid your politics are different. <laughs> <laughs> well, the number of times I've seen teenagers decide their politics are different from their parents solely because they are different from their parents. Yeah, it makes it a little bit interesting to look at. That's that's always the way it's always been, I think, to a great degree. Yeah. To a great degree. Now, I'm, even more so in my generation growing up in the 60s. Anybody over 30, don't trust anybody over 30, you know? Right. And um, for good reason, because they're all crazy, you know? Um, that's, it, it. you know, old people like me, we tend to shoot down idealism when we hear it from our kids. And that's not always a good thing. Um, I have to bite my tongue sometimes when I'm doing that. You know, because uh, it, it's real easy to be, um, I've lived through it. I've done that. I've been there. You don't get it. It's really easy to do that when you get older. Um, and I think that it, my parents did it to me. And, and the smartest thing I ever did was grow up at one point and start listening to them. I had a day when I, uh, oh, it's, I don't want to tell that story on anything live, but I, let's put it this way. I lost my job. I worked for my best friend. So I lost my best friend, quit my job because I was done with him because something that happened my girlfriend in, uh, on the same day. And then I get home and there's an eviction notice on the door on my little apartment. I'm like, no job, no girlfriend, no best friend. He's, he was the place I would go if I didn't have a place. I'd go hang out with him and his wife. And, and I said, when that happened, I said, I'm gonna listen to my dad. I've been working as a carpenter and, and just bumming around and you know, um, having a good old time. I was probably 23 years old, 24 and, and um, I said, I'm going to do something different. My dad said, you got to do something different. And it changed my life. And uh, I actually gave that same advice to my son and he joined the Navy, <laughs> you know, so, so I think it's turning out pretty good for him. You know, uh, we'll see. Yeah, sometimes yeah. listening to your dad does make sense, turns out. Well, we don't want to do it though. I mean, I think right. it's natural. <laughs> we want to make our own way in the world. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. Especially know? not our parents. There's this great quote that's attributed to Mark Twain, but I don't think he actually said it from what I've looked into, but it's, uh, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Yes. <laughs> I just love that one. I think about that one a lot. Because, yeah, same thing with my dad. When I was a teenager, didn't think he had any idea what was going on. And as I've gotten older, he's learned a lot in the last 7 to 10 to 15 years. So Anybody out there listening, your parents know what's going on. Uh, Listen to them yeah. every once in a while. Well, you know, it's, it's family's important. And um, if you ever run into whatever problems that we have, you know, all of us, you know, whatever age, you know, uh, I know that, 
you know, thank God I haven't had anything crazy happen in a long time, but, uh, I know that I can always go to my family and, uh, you know, it's, mm. uh, there's so many of them. I can't keep track of them. You know, they keep breeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People do that. So I was thinking one thing we could do on the podcast today as well is kind of discuss some of the old dude's favorite films from from growing up and through watching many movies throughout the years. Uh, just because that's something we like to do with new movies, but I felt like maybe we're kind of ignoring and neglecting some of the older greats um, from from film history. So, okay, so, so you want me to remember stuff from 20 and 30 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, further. If you, if you further can. Further back. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first film you saw? Whoa. <laughs> Ben-Hur. Um, ah. At the drive-in with my family. Yeah. Um, it's the first one I can remember. I don't remember how it ended. I just remember the the, uh, the chariot ride when uh, Kirk Douglas is in the chariot. And they, they got, they're riding around the, in the Coliseum. And all these chariots fighting each other. And the spikes are coming out from the wheels. And. They're, you know, they'd hit the other guy's wheels and they fly and the horses would fly out. And, and, and it was crazy stuff. They, I think they really did it to make those yeah. movies. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and there's the guy who gets run over by a chariot. Like he ends up getting flipped out of his and it's just there. And they come back around and just like, bromp, gets trampled. And I've always wondered if that was an actual dude. But I mean, that's <laughs> probably not. But I don't know. Back then, man, they got away with a lot of stuff on this on the sets of films. There's been a long-standing myth that I've known about that someone died on the filming of Ben Hur during the chariot scene. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. it. I think that's that could the be one true. The rumors have been about. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but uh... but yeah, I mean, the re- that's the reason Ben Hur's remembered is for the chariot scene. The rest of the film is okay. It's kind of slow, especially compared to modern standards. But the chariot race is just minute upon minute, ten, twenty, thirty minutes of just sheer action. Yeah. And that's not something that films had done in the past. It was one of the reasons that it's uh, it's still remembered today, I think. Well, I'm looking at my book list, and there's this Brandon Barris guy. That was a good book. <laughs> I like that. Um, no, it's funny because I, 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 I actually, uh, I've always been one of those people that reading, the imagination is bigger than even the big screen. The big screen yes. is real cool. It's really cool. Um and, and there's, I was telling you that, you know, um, I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey when it came out, and that was 68 when we looked it up, and, and uh, it's a long time ago. And uh, I walked out of there telling people that were with me that you're going to see, because I would read like all, you know, everything I could get my hands on, science fiction mostly, but, and I had comic books, and I had, you know, Spider-Man, and I, uh, you know, I, I took my Spider-Man comic books and cut them up and pasted them on the wall, and made a collage. And those comic books, if I had them today, probably worth twenty thousand bucks. Um, yeah. And and they were on the wall, and you know, and and um, and I I was telling them, I said, you're going to see Spider-Man movies, you're going to see uh, Superman, you're going to see all this stuff. And people were like, well, you know, Superman was on TV, it wasn't really good because you couldn't imagine it. <laughs> I could imagine that that the special effects were going to get incredible. And uh, look what's happened. I mean, you know, I've been trying to get to go see Infinity Wars, and it's like life keeps getting in the way. And, and um, you know, uh, I don't go to see many movies in the theater, but I, I went to see Doctor Strange, and I went to see, uh, you know, all the other Marvel movies. I, I just, you know, I mean, that was the thing for me, you know, uh, imagination. And uh, uh, so, you know, today, I mean, I don't watch TV. I don't go to movies very often. Um 
I read constantly. Uh, you know, there's some incredible authors that have, you know, uh, come out, uh, mainly because of Amazon, you know, because I can. And uh, Douglas E. Richards, if you haven't read his stuff, it's amazing. And, and uh, a few other guys, if you like something fun, Mark Wayne McGinnis is pretty good. And uh, like I said, that Brandon Barris guy's not bad either. But uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of new to the whole thing, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure it's, if he's it's, something we can recommend here on this you know, podcast. It's, so. it, you Feels can get amateurry. You know, he just needs to write some more. It, you <laughs> yeah, know, it's all. It just takes. It just takes dedication and hard work. And mm, that is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> About uh, most things. Well, anyways, you know, it's. Uh, I, I've tried to write. I, I was. I started to write a book. 10 years ago to 15 years ago and I had the title and um, I've actually started to write a couple books and um, one that um, <laughs> uh, the BS effect the Bart Simpson effect see uh, you know I believe I got this thing I used to talk to a friend of mine about how society got sort of out of control and it's because of uh, media you know we started out with radio in this country and eventually got TV and um and on the TV, they had Happy Days, and they had, uh, you know, fun stuff. You know, Leave It to Beaver, and it was you know selling selling soap. And so they came out with well, it was like maybe when the Fonz came out, it was a little rougher, you know. And then they came out with All in the Family and Archie Bunker. If you haven't watched it, go back. You can watch, find them, I'm sure. And uh, you know, they're they're um, a little out of time, but as they got more and more uh, sort of uh, more sex, more violence, and more. You know, we had, and, and Bart Simpson came around. It was like, ay caramba, anything we can get away with, we can sell soap with, because that's what TV is. It's, it sells stuff. And, and, uh, and uh, I really believe that society changed dramatically at the point where um, the message went from do what's right to do whatever you can get away with, which was hmm. not really Bart Simpson. He's one of the few that actually talks about the right sometimes. But uh, some of the other ones that came on afterwards, uh, Beavis and Butthead and stuff, would, I remember my kids would want to watch. I'm like, I'm not watch that stuff. Every time I watch it, I get mad at it because the lesson they're teaching is sort of negative. Um, and you look at what's on TV today. Some of it's fantastic, you know, uh, but some of it just follows that. Let's see what we can get away with because... The more titillating we can be, the more soap we can sell, the more commercials we can sell. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I'm actually surprised sports is a funny thing because, uh, you know, as they sort of uh, take the uh, action to me, football has been ruined. Football used to be a great game, but everybody got hurt all the time. And, mm. and, and it, you know, look what it did to their brains. Um, uh, but they keep doing things. And to me, when they started, you, know, you couldn't, go in there and flatten a quarterback what good is it you know ice hockey still has a bit of uh, uh, that kind of thing in it and it's part of the reason it's there because it's what sells and uh, people like that um, coliseum effect you know <laughs> you know mm. uh, the, yeah I mean that's kind of the key thing here is the coliseum effect like people media I feel like the um, relationship between media and the viewing public is kind of a symbiotic one. Like media doesn't put anything out that won't get ratings. Oh, absolutely. Right? That's eyeballs. my point. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's like kind of a back and forth. So media puts something out, it gets attention. 
and then they make more of it and then people watch it. So they make more of it and people watch it and make more of it. And yeah, it just well, kind of escalates from there. And, and it's like YouTube and I, you post some stuff on Facebook every now and I'm like, but there was one the other day and, um, guys in a truck with the big tires on it comes flying up and goes up the ramp and flies, I don't know, a quarter mile through the air and comes down and, you know, flips three or four times. And, and, and the, the statement they made was, well, he only broke a few vertebrae. <laughs> I'm like, why did he do it? And and you guys were probably too young to remember Evil Knievel going over the canyon. But, uh, you know, why do you do that stuff? Because it sells soap. Because people yeah. people like it. Because people don't want to be bored. And um, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying it's changed society to let's, uh, you know, um, who are the guys that do all that crazy stunt stuff? Um Jackass. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. They were uh, best friends with my nephews. Oh, and, wow. And, you know, um, it, it, it's, you know, uh, I, I didn't know them. I, I probably ran into them plenty of times and didn't know who they were. But, uh, you know, uh, it. but that's the whole point. It, it, you know, that's what people don't want to read about. Um, you know, it's funny because I started reading when I was a kid. And it was the most exciting thing was like, Tom Swift and the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Swiss Family Robinson. And you look at it today, and the most exciting thing has the crazy stuff in it. And yes. um, so I think part of the message is, is if you can get out there and sell crazy, then crazy is okay. And it's, you know, whatever we can get away with is okay. And, and I think yeah. that's part of the problem is whatever we can get away with, because you have to, you know, this is the parent in me talking. You have to factor in what's right and wrong, and uh, and it, it gets lost in the message. What's right and wrong? You know, agreed. You well, know. yeah, and two, I think there's a difference between showing poor behavior and basically saying this is okay. This is something that should be emulated, versus showing bad behavior and saying this is being shown as not something that people should do, and here are some consequences of it. Right, but I'll give you an example. And here's—I mean, you know—you uh, got three kids. Um, mm -hmm. Have you ever sped in your car with the kids in the car over the speed limit? I'm going to say yes. yes uh, okay, I have. and and so what are you teaching them? Because they know. Mm -hmm. You're There's teaching them that I can get away with speeding. It's <laughs> it's like the first step in a long bunch of steps that our culture has gone through. Um, first, it's to get away with speeding, and then they see you. Uh, working on the taxes, well, I'll just do this, and whatever it is. Little things that we all look at as being sort of everybody does it. And and that's that's the message that I really think needs to change right now in society is that everybody doesn't. Uh, but, and, and you know, it's like there's an acceptance, especially amongst people your age, that using their phone in the car is okay. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, not to me, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure that's considered an okay thing. I was going to say, using the phone in the car while driving or just while you're a passenger? Well, you know, you can start splitting hairs. Um, even as a passenger, if you're being distracting, it's a problem. Mm. Uh, it's only about, it's only about, you know, look, we're supposed to, if, as long as we're not using self-driving cars, we've got to look at what we're doing. And, you know, in my day, you didn't have a phone. I mean, I came to Atlanta 27 years ago, and, and I got a job, and they said, you have to get a pager. 
And I'm like, I don't want a pager. Those things beep wherever you go. <laughs> yes, they do. And then when <laughs> when the first you know phones started coming out, you got to get a phone. And I'm because we used to drop a quarter in the in the in the uh, payphone and call our customers. I'll be there in an hour or whatever. And and uh, you know it, so it, you know and I did it for years and I never thought once about it. It was only as I got older and a lot of stuff happened and I was like, Am I doing the right thing when I? do certain things and uh when i speed my car because i do i still do i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. about it um but when my kids saw me doing that you know i wonder how much of an effect it had because I, I remember my dad my dad was like mr clean but it was the one place i saw him break the rules was in a car he cussed up a storm too i remember <laughs> You know, but uh, it's uh, it's changed as we allow it, you know, to be measured by what we can get away with rather than what's right. But it was it was to get back to the point of the thing. The BS effect was my friend said you need to call it the Bart Simpson effect because I said when Bart came out, everything started going even more out there, and uh, because it worked, it was such a popular thing, and and then you had. Uh, you had Beavis about head. What was the other one? Um, still on South Park, South Park, yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, very creative people writing that stuff. Um, but at some point, I'm like, man, it's just like, it, and I know it's you watch these things, you know, they're fictions, you know, they're stories, and yet the message in them is often, hey, look what we got away with, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, and it is about the messaging, for sure. Uh, and, and I guess I get on my my soapbox when when is it, it to me? It's the culture has changed so much, and it needs to take a little bit of a step back. But you know, I'm not going to live long enough to see that. So, <laughs> yeah, I just I'm thinking about it. I'm just wondering. I'm not sure what could cause society to take a step back in that war. way. Like, what would cause media to become war. less? You think a war? Yeah. A major war. Uh, I don't. I almost feel like we're kind of when everybody is forced into responsibility. It mm. happened during World War Two, because mm. I mean, if you look at the, you know uh, the stuff that was going on before World War Two, you know they had the uh, you know prohibition and the speakeasies. They were doing the same stuff that we're doing today in a different way. And when the war came along, everybody sort of got real about it. Not everybody, you know, society is never going to be about everybody. But um, I, I think for um, the type of society that we have, a free society where we hopefully all of us still cherish our freedoms, because um, it's about freedom to me. And, and uh, you know, if we cherish our freedom and, and we do what we need to do to keep it. Uh, but a lot of people don't understand it. And, and again, I'm preaching a bit, but, you know, to me, uh it's just uh, it, it's it's sort of frustrating to watch because it's very different than 30, 40 years ago, you know. Um, but it doesn't surprise me because I lived through the '60s and I had long hair and I almost went to Woodstock. I gave my ticket to somebody else because my parents wouldn't let me go when I was fifteen, and um, <laughs> you know um, <laughs> I had a ticket. But uh, you know um, it, it's uh, it, it was about you know sex and drugs and rock and roll and. Uh, um, you know, I look back on those times and it wasn't all good. It wasn't all bad. We had some great times, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, sort of the messaging was changing as people sort of became free to do whatever they wanted to do. This country, the, the, the freedom that we have 
you start getting complacent and taking it for granted. And I think that's what, what's happened. And, um, you know, and I don't mean, you know, you guys may, I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, a lot of young people sort of believe this, we should move towards socialism. I don't get that. It doesn't compute for me because it's never worked for one thing. And for another thing, that's not what this country is about. Now, Wade, are you in Australia? I am indeed. Okay, so you, you uh, I don't know enough about the government there, although I know it's, uh, um, it hasn't gone yeah. full uh, <laughs> socialist. Well, no, <laughs> we're very much a democracy still. Probably the only like notable differences between Australia and, and American actual governmental structures is manda- it's mandatory voting here. Everyone has to. Uh, like we have stuff like socialized health care. Um, and they they've they pretty much mm-hmm. taken your guns away too, right? Uh, no. Uh, it's often used as like a hey, look at Australia, we have great gun control laws. But the truth is, Australians never really had a gun problem in the beginning. Like, uh, there are two rifles in the house where I live, but they're both like hunting rifles. So when they remove like put in gun controls in response to mass shootings, like at one in particular, uh. They just made it much harder to get like fully automatic weapons, right? It's basically now illegal to have them at all, unless you're the military. But we still have handguns, we still have shotguns, we still have rifles. Um, it's just it's a much different culture where not it's not common here. Nobody's it's not if you were like I, I go hunting, you can get like odd looks from people being like, really, because it, it's just not something we do. It's not a popular pastime. But it happens. People do happen. We have guns. Yeah. Right. I, I, well, and the thing about, I mean, America too is not all the same thing. If you walk down the street with a visible gun in certain cities, people don't care, and in other cities, people will freak out. It depends right. on where you are. Like the gun concentration is not the same wherever you happen to be in the nation. Well, <laughs> the legal gun concentration is probably about the same everywhere. Uh, it's the illegal guns that are the problem for the most part. Or the stolen guns or the, you know, taken daddy's guns and the stuff that's been happening, the awful stuff where people have been murdered with the parents' guns. And, you know, uh, as a parent, I mean, I don't have kids in this house anymore, but if I did, I have a gun and I have it solely for worst case scenario stuff. And um, Mm. it's been sitting here for two years. I've got a couple clips loaded and I've never put the clips in the gun. I know how to use it. Um, Mm. It's just in case. And, uh, you know, because you never know. There was a couple older people, maybe 10 miles from here, murdered on a home break-in, which in this part of the world, like Falcons, uh, saying it is, is um, you know, there's places. It's pretty safe where I'm at. I'm in one of the safest cities in the country. Uh, hmm. And, and uh, you know, we've got golf cart trails that run around the 70, 80, 90 miles of golf cart trails. And, get on your golf cart and go to the store and do your shopping and you know all the teenagers you go to the high school and look at the parking lot and it's got all the neat cars like they have and because it's a well-to-do area and then golf carts there's i was up by the high school and there was probably 500 golf carts in the parking lot <laughs> i was like that's weird well yeah. it's it's peachtree yeah, city it's 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 known for um it you know was one of the first real golf cart communities and they they literally designed it so that um, there's a trail and they're paved roads that you can get on and I can pull out them. If I had it, I don't have one anymore. I used to have one, but uh, you know, pull out the door, and 
turn by my house and I go drive through the woods. And uh, it was pretty cool, especially when I was raising kids and, you know, when they were young, starting to drive, you know, you'd break them into the golf cart thing first, um, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. I didn't know that was a thing. I did not realize there were communities planned around golf carts in the U.S. Huh. There's there's more and more. Um, you, I don't know if some of them like Hilton Head, and I think places like that are starting to go that way, if I'm not mistaken. But so I don't know how we got to golf carts from guns, but you know, <laughs> probably people have guns on their golf carts. So you know, uh, <laughs> maybe that's yeah. probably the connection. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, but it, it, the culture that we're in is is uh, fascinating, and it's um, there's always bad. There's always you know. Uh, my son tells me, don't worry about my generation. We're going to do fine. And I'm like, well, if you don't, you don't. And, and you know what? It, he thinks I'm judging him. And I, I really don't. I, 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 I'm like a lot of older people. I know better about certain things. But, you know, um, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, and it has potential. Uh, the, you know, where we're at in the world right now has potential to be amazing. Um, and, and I think that if we can just solve a few problems and, and uh, you know, uh, We'll see. But, uh, mm. you know, I, I look at what's going on in the world right now, and I wonder if um, they're all, you know, all these crazy people out there that run different countries are going to start figuring out that they're not the big dogs and maybe going to war is not a good idea. That's, uh, you know, mm. that's my dream, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> especially when I got a kid in the service, you know. Uh, mm. But uh, it's, you know, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a, for 63, I'm a geek. Nobody has this crap I have. I mean, you know, I've got $3,000, $5,000 worth of software, at least on this computer, half of which I don't use. And, uh, mm. and then I find the, 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 the coolest stuff is like, uh, telling Falcon, wait, OBS, man. I didn't know about OBS till a few months ago. I was looking for a good program to shoot my screen. I said, gamers got to use something. So I started searching. I, it's free. Wow. it's a great program and um you know uh it's i I find it's hilarious that uh that the world's changing like that now some of the best stuff uh, as far as that's concerned is free and uh that's what's really really remarkable you know uh, you wonder how they do it how do they make money obs specifically or people selling companies companies that have that kind of uh business model yeah, that's a heck of a business model that people use it. but Where you can give your product away, yeah. So I imagine a lot of them you uh, have run ads. Like, as far as I'm aware, OBS doesn't run ads in its service. But there's most of the stuff that you can get for free. It's like, okay, well, every now and then we're going to show you an ad or maybe there's an ad on the sidebar. Right. Like, somewhere on the screen. Uh, and others, if you use a product, you're likely to promote it. Um people buy shares and stuff and stocks in that company as a startup and that's how they make their money and like they don't even worry about business like how they're going to make money later because they just sell the company once it's worth something if you can get a user base using it and then sell it and then the next people who own it make the money that's the trick isn't it to get that user base and and turn it into something that google wants to pay three billion dollars for exactly or amazon like twitch (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) You know, I said, when that happened, I, people like, what is Amazon buying? And people I know my age are like, well, somebody asked me about that. And I'm like, you don't know Twitch? 
Well, you, you don't know any. And, and, you know, I only know a little bit because I go there every now and then and, and watch Falcon or somebody cast. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's or that's where the the the, the Starcraft games are broadcast. And uh, right. I, I'm just amazed at how much um, money is traveling through there. And, and you know, uh, who was your uh, one of your friends on there is constantly casting his games. And I'm like, how? How does he have time to do that? How much money is he making? He's got to be doing something. He had people, you know, giving him money. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know it adds up, <laughs> you know, so you get a good enough fan base. It, it's just, uh, uh, it's it's an interesting, uh, what do you tell your kid? Man, when you grow up, you can have a, uh, you can be a YouTube star. I think telling kids they can do that for a living is still terrible advice, though. Yeah, I, kid, I, I agree, kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, you you can look at it that you know five years ago there was maybe a hundred channels with a million subscribers that were all making regular content and could maybe make a decent living back then uh they were probably making a very good living but today there's maybe a th- over a thousand channels with over a million subscribers but that's still only 0.001 percent of the youtube user base that are actually making money right yeah, so trying to tell someone to go into like a superstar economy is just always a bad idea. I think you should always be supportive if your kids want to do that sort of thing, but definitely teach them the value of having a stable job. Absolutely. I I got in trouble at a family uh, meeting many years ago. My nephew, who was, you know, was getting out of high school and, and um, he had been buying and selling comic books on the side. He wanted to open a comic book store. Everybody's like, no, 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 no. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. And I'm like, why has he got to go to college? <laughs> I said, no, he might want to go to college if he wants to learn how to run a business, you know, and, and how to start a comic book store. But you can also learn that by going to work for somebody who runs a store like that, whether it's comic books or something similar, you can learn about it. And, and uh, you know, and he's still trading comic books, I think, too. And, and uh, ultimately, he decided to go to college and has done very well, you know. So it's, it's uh, but... I don't think that you try and make up their minds for them. You got to go to college. You got to. I actually think going to college is probably wrong for half the kids that are there. You know, um, if you want to make a lot of money in this country right now, learn heating and air technician stuff. You know, Um, you make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and and working forty hours a week. And and you know, I know guys that are doing it and. uh, um, you know, there's there's a million, there's like five million jobs in this country that are unfilled for plumbing, heating, and air, and other types of uh, similar type of work. And uh, mm. you know, um, I, I talk to business owners all day long at my job. You know, and the one thing they're like, "Do you know where I can hire somebody to do this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, good luck." It's, it's you know, <laughs> unemployment right now is as low as it's ever been in in my lifetime. And uh, that's a pretty long lifetime, I think, at this point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, never step on your kids' dreams. It's it's tempting to do as a parent. I think all of us tend to do it because they your kids will always want to rebel. And I don't care what generation, 10, year, 10 generations from now, it'll be the same. It's always going to be the same. <laughs> no doubt. Get ready, Falcon. Yeah, I'm no, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm already <laughs> dealing with it. Uh, <laughs> How old are you kids yeah, now? <laughs> yeah, 10, um, 7, turning 8 soon. You got about four five. years. Four years. Oh, you got to hit the teenage. My, 
Gotta hit the teenagers. Your, your 10-year-old's rebelling against what? He doesn't like your cereal? <clears throat> My 10-year-old has been a teenager since the moment he was born, I swear. <laughs> that is all. I will tell some stories later. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people could benefit to going to a trade school instead of college. Yeah, college isn't for everybody, but that's the message that's been preached in the United States for a few decades now. I don't know. Maybe it'll balance out eventually, well, but I'm not holding my breath. Everybody wanted my kid to go to school, and, and I was like, he's a terrible student. He'll never do well in school. And he didn't. Ultimately, that became a problem for him, and he couldn't figure out what to do. And I kept making some suggestions, and I think that one day he came up to me. He said, I've been to the recruiter. I'm joining the Navy. He was 26 oh. years old when he told me that. So he hadn't. Yeah, so you weren't thinking that. Yeah, you know, he'd been working at a Waffle House cooking food that's a fine job there's nothing wrong with it but you're never going to really be able to afford a family and do things like that with a job like that you've got to you've got to get somewhere but you don't need to have uh you know a university degree to do it and uh, mm. you know i i'm uh, i probably have the equivalent of a couple of them because i read like a maniac but um you know i i got out of high school i went right to work and I was a carpenter, and, uh, you know, for a while I was a car mechanic. And, and uh, it's interesting how those skills came back to me later. And I'm in sales today. And those everything I learned then, I'm still using today in sales in a different way. It's the knowledge of it that I'm using. And, and it's, uh, right. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, but, um, we tend to, as parents, we want the best for our kids. And, look, if they can become doctors and lawyers, they're going to do well. So, we tend to push them in that direction. Sometimes it's the wrong thing. But. Yeah. Sometimes it just turns into a lot of debt that doesn't really ever make sense for so them financially down this, the road. The old dude's probably boring your, your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good to get some perspective from somebody who's been around a bit longer than most of us. Um, I don't think we have demographics on our listener base, but I would be surprised if it was. No, we don't. But no. maybe I could like sort out a poll and if people want to look for a poll in the description people uh, if you want to tell us how old you are that'd be great yeah give us your demographic information yes maybe not all of it maybe just a little bit we promise we won't sell it to google <laughs> no uh we're updating our terms and service policies <laughs> google yeah. already has it yeah that, <laughs> probably that's, we've we've that, just made a recording true. right they're gonna they're gonna have that too Oh, yeah. And, and, I assume uh, they're listening to this as we record, actually. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't worry about the, the NSA and the FBI and the CIA. Worry about Google. Mm. You know, that's, I mean, yep. seriously, that Google is, mm. is um, uh, I, I'm waiting for, well, didn't they just get a big antitrust thing in Europe? I, I really don't pay attention to it, but uh, I'm, yep. I'm waiting for that to happen here. Um, they're way too powerful. And, and I got to be careful because, I make my living partially because of Google, you know, and, uh, you know. Yeah, there was a, a big bill passed in the European Union that really, really made uh, privacy <clears throat> a lot more of a priority for the government and um, basically restricted what companies can do with your information. And as soon as it went to effect, they levied like five to ten million dollar fines on Google and Apple. And they're like, Apple and Google are like, hey, we did a lot of stuff. And the EU was like, nope, not far enough. Keep working on it. So apparently there's a lot more work to do. Well, in my lifetime, yeah. there was AT&T and, and, you know, the, the telephones were all one company. And, uh, 
uh, you know, they got into a big antitrust thing and they said, oh, it's not going to be one company anymore. We're going to break you up into what they called the baby bells. And so they yep. broke it up into seven, I think it was, different pieces. And, um, you know, it's, it, uh, who knows whether it really worked, <laughs> you know, looking back on it. Uh, but it, it's, um, I don't know how you do that with Google. Don't know how you do it. I mean, Google is, uh, uh, I, I know I, I just did a quick Google search and <laughs> the case against Google, it was on the New York Times uh, about how they're squelching competition before it begins. And I think anybody who watches it closely knows that's the case. Bing has gotten no traction and, and the other search engines, uh, but search engines are crazy when it comes to what they can do to the culture. They can literally get people to think differently and by giving them different results uh, than you might imagine. And uh, you know, it's a lot of power. It's a ton of power. Uh, if, you, if you're doing research and you're getting answers that are maybe somebody's version, or you know, uh, I saw that during the election, depending on who you were Googling, you got favorable for one side and not for the other. It's very clear. Mm. And it was interesting to look at it because, uh, you, you know, as an American, I don't think that's right. Um, I think if you're going to have an information source, you know, about the only one right now, I think they can pretty much be counted on to be neutral as Wikipedia. The rest mm. of them are all leaning one way or the other. And uh, yeah, know, I guess it's, it's the way of the world. But uh, once they get so powerful, I, I mean, you know, we're not all Googling cake recipes every day some of us are trying to learn about what's going on in the world and, and they give you the answers <laughs> yeah well very true and kind of back to what <clears throat> we were saying about media earlier i really feel like just giving political information without any kind of a lean is just not something that people are interested in you present political information that's just the facts and nobody clicks on it they want to see a news story that confirms what they believe about politics and that's yeah. why that's why it's basically Fox and CNN and MSNBC have the ratings that they do is because you just want to see people confirm what you believe. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's how I see it anyway. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. There's no question that, you know, but you know, the search engines are a different thing. If there was, if people were actively using on some kind of equal basis, 12 different search engines, you know, um, it, you, we wouldn't have this conversation, but it's not. Um, mm. You know, the the this the one thing everybody said, well, just Google it. You know, what does people say to their phone? Okay, Google. You know, Google's in every almost every phone these days, you know, as a default. And uh, it's a very um, interesting situation. It, I actually think that um, it, it'll, be, it'll be nice to, you know, I'm not going to live long enough to see 50 years from now. But uh, I think that's when it really is going to tell which way society goes. Um, and, and do they have that kind of power? I don't know. They had a, a, a tape that was made by one of their managers that talked about um, basically influencing people to think a certain way. You know, and, and mm. that's a little scary if you think about it. So. It is. And yeah, I know there are a lot of people that feel the same way you do that are concerned about the future of Google. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. It's, it's got so much positive see that's the thing and when something that has something inherently wrong with it it can go a long way if there's good things in it too and and uh you know i mean look i i wouldn't want to see it go away i just want to see it be somewhat even balanced in a little and, bit and, well yeah. you know again 
I mean, you can say that about anything, but they're the one that I don't know about you two, but I know me. I go on my computer. If I need to learn something, I'm going to Google or I'm going to YouTube. They're both Google. And, and you know, one of the questions I, 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 I my customers, I go, do you know what the number two search engine is? Do you guys know? Uh, behind Google? Yeah. Um, Duck, duck, go. It's called it YouTube. <laughs> it's YouTube. It's absolutely the number two search engine. And, uh, and, uh, Owned uh, by Google, yeah, and that's people. It's they're just searching for different content, but they're searching for the same kind of things, whether it's political information or just how to how to you know. I go on. I love the fact you go know, on YouTube and learn about how to use software and buy software. And I, uh, it's the big problem when you're my age is the learning curve. You're going to be, you know, two hundred years old by the time you really figure it out. But when you have you know something, you can go and. Here's step by step. I was trying to figure out how to use a green screen in my video software one day. I went online. I, Ten minutes later, I was doing it. You know, um, and, and that's that's what's neat about it. That's what's so powerful. I, that's why I don't think anybody really needs a real, you know, piece of paper to say they've got an education if they're smart. You know, my my son, 32 years old, he he dropped out of school a year year or so in. Said, I know this stuff they're teaching me. I'm wasting my time. I'm going to get a job. And, you know, uh, he bought a new car a year ago, uh, paid it off, and he has money in the bank. And, you know, <laughs> like, wow, I, if I had been that smart at that age, I mean, I'll tell you, uh, I was just having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can all say that. If we just invested this money in this company 10 years ago, we'd be millionaires. That's why it's Well, hard. you know, I'm, I'm trying to make it just in the last few years. I mean, I... I was trying. I was trading stocks for a while, and when I was unemployed in two thousand nine, I was like, I had a little bit of money, and I was just being stupid. and And I made, you know, a couple trades. I made like six thousand dollars in ten minutes one day, and you know, like I've got this. I don't need to get a job. And, uh, <laughs> you know, figure it out. And uh, uh, thankfully, I had a friend who said, "No, you, you need to get a job." You know, uh, and I so I. Over the last few years, I was still trading, trying to make a little money here and there. And, you know, I'm one of the people that bought Amazon around $200 and sold it to make a little bit of money. You know, mm-hmm. I also bought it at $588 and I've kept it and it's at $1610 right now. So that's two years later. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I if I'm to tell people in their t- mid 20s and 30s, the smartest thing they can do is to learn what companies are going to be around 30, 40 years from now and start buying stock in them along with conventional savings plans for, you know, your retirement. But when you're young, you can take some risk and you can put some money in companies like Google and other companies like that before they get big. And, and, and you know, if I told my son, I said, you're smart. You'll figure it out. And I know he's done pretty well with the stocks he's bought. Um, it's gambling if you try and do it what I used to do, the trading. That's just gambling. Uh, but if you're smart and you buy major companies, I mean, do you really think Amazon's going anywhere? And, not anytime soon. And even if there's an antitrust thing, it's not going anywhere. It'll survive that. And it might take a hit to the stock value, but, you know, when you're up almost 200% in two years, and, and you know, I had a friend tell me, you're crazy to buy it 580 bucks a share. You know, but I use it. I'm, yeah. So you, you, if... It's pretty obvious that people love it, you know, uh, to me. And uh, when you use uh, Kindle Unlimited, I read six, seven, eight books a month for 10 bucks, you know, and uh, stuff like that with their products are really good. And that's that's just some uh, 
old dude talking to young people. Put your money somewhere. <laughs> save it. Don't touch it. And it's yeah. really hard to do when you're young because something comes along. You need to buy a car. You need to put tires on it or something like that. And it's hard. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's some, that's a way that you can make, if you buy the right stocks, you can make a lot of money. And, and I think it's pretty obvious which ones they are. Buy Google. Buy Facebook. Buy Amazon. They're expensive. But, you know, they're proven yeah, I was always told McDonald's when I was a kid. So we're looking at uh, stock price in 1990, let's say 94, $14 a share. It's at 157 right now. So that'd be a pretty good investment if I'd actually. How many times one. did it split? Yeah, uh, I can't tell here. I mean, it must have, right? I mean, I can talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda stories all night. I, I had uh, stock in 2009. Uh, jazz pharmaceuticals that I bought under a dollar. And it was it's funny because I had some trading friends and we'd go online and trade every day and talk about, I made 200 bucks, I made 400 bucks, you know. And um, so I jokingly, my dog Jasmine, I said, I'm buying this stock Jazz, J-A-Z-Z. <laughs> uh -huh. It's $167 when I looked at it the other day. I had 10,000 shares. If I'd kept them, that's $1.6 million. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're they're not around anymore. Is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's 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 funny because it, we all have that in life. You know, whether it's about a girl or whatever, or about <laughs> money. Um, don't do dumb stuff like take your nest egg and put it on black in Vegas. You know. Right. <laughs> but if you buy Amazon, it's probably not a dumb thing. It's, if you buy Google, even with the antitrust potentially in the future, they're not going to go away. You know. And there's other companies, I think, that, uh, but then I'm a capitalist, you know, I believe in capitalism. I think it's a good thing. It's raised more people out of poverty than any other economic system ever has. Millions of people, you know, yeah. this country, the, the worst off people in this country still eat pretty well. And uh, most of them have phones. You know, we don't do a real good job with the homeless. We don't do a real good job with our veterans. To me, it's it's a, an opportunity for people today if they would learn about it, you know. Yeah, I almost bought Google Sock when they went public, but it was like $175 a share right off the bat. <clears throat> and I was in college, and I was like, ah, can't afford this, but I'd really like to do it. But, yeah. Yeah, nope. yeah I, I started with... He, when I was growing up, my dad and I would read the newspaper. He'd start with the front, I'd start with the back, had the funnies in it, and then the next part was the stocks. And I would always ask him, you know, I was like six, seven, eight years old, what, how does this work? <laughs> and I was always fascinated by it. And then, you know, I, I, I have a pretty good nose for picking them. And uh, I, the ones I traded in 2009, if I just spent $1,000 on each one that I traded, I'd be retired right now. <laughs> because a lot of them went bust, but the ones that went up like 5,000% would have made me a lot of money. And, you know, Amazon's one of those. If you bought it 20 years ago when it came out, it's up over 50,000%. Yeah. Think about that. 50,000%, you know. And so I know the conventional wisdom says put your money in mutual funds and blah, 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 be safe. Yeah, if you're in your 20s or early 30s, you don't have to worry quite as much about a dip in the value of a, you know, Fortune 500 stock. It's going to come back. We could go through a recession if you hold on to it; it'll come back, and and uh, that's pretty much proven. But you know, uh, 
you never know. Life is <laughs> the worst case scenario, I guess, could cause it to disappear. And that would be war. You go back to war again, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I think we're at the hour. Is there anything else we wanted to cover for today? No, I think that's no, about it's it. your show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's true. <laughs> well, good. We would like to thank the old dude for coming on to the podcast. You may recognize him from doing the music for my Into the Void and Mindrake Madness outros. A lot of people have loved those over the years. And uh, can I mention that you're working on another one or should we cut it out of the podcast? And I want to tell you, you know, I'm a guy who has written some songs and, you know, mostly songwriter and, and um, your subs on YouTube were saying the nicest things about that one song when it came out. And it really motivated me. I'd, I'd written a song that a Southern rock band, these guys are big in Southern rock, started a band and they never got anywhere. But my song was the song they played for 10 years when they ended their sets. And these guys are all stars, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that was cool. And there, it's actually been considered by one of those bands to be played on a, their next CD, although I don't think it'll happen. But uh, but I got more satisfaction out of doing the uh, Into the Void song and what some of your subs <laughs> said. And it really was, it's really cool because, it, it, you know, it's hard to get motivated to do stuff like that. I find the older I get, I want to do it. And uh, I just like to get toys. I got a new toy today, an Echo echo machine for my 12 string it's pretty cool but uh yeah so you know hopefully i'll get a chance to get in the studio and get a real recording done of uh the next uh the, the song that i've written about lucifer's reapers and that was you casting mm -hmm. the guy lucifer who sent all those reapers and it just gave me that you know it's funny how that stuff happens and, and uh, inspiration it's yeah. a lot of fun and you know i did google a couple of weeks ago starcraft songs there's a ton of them mm-hmm there mm -hmm. are a lot. I didn't realize how many there were. So there's, there's a lot, a lot of, of them that are like parodies of existing pop songs. Those right. have been pretty popular over the years too. <laughs> Void Rays. <laughs> yep, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Husky Starcraft, for all the views he ever got on YouTube, his biggest videos are those ones. It's the Bane Link song and the Void Rays song. That's what Do you know whatever happened to Husky? <laughs> yeah, he's producing uh, for his girlfriend's YouTube channel, Nerdy Nummies, last I checked. Yeah, that's what I heard, yeah. And they've got a cool uh, 9 million subscribers, so I'm sure his uh, his ad revenue intake is a little bit more than he was making when he had his own channel. So I can't He's really probably still making it. a lot of money. Not, you know, tons, yeah. but off his YouTube stuff being replayed. I went back there and watched the, uh, uh, you know, because the first StarCraft song I tried to write, which I'd never finished, was Bronze League Heroes. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, Russian zerglings past yeah. my wall, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Bronze League hero. He's rushing zerglings past my wall. Yeah, that's a good um, question. I do yeah. wonder about how much, uh, how many views he gets per month on just the stuff that is just sitting there. Well, you know, I mean, it's got to be some. I mean, uh, I find when people, when I post a song for some weird reason on YouTube and then somebody posts from Argentina that they loved it because that the, yeah. the second song the the one that's on the mid rank uh, Adun yeah. Adun yeah it's too late for me what can I tell you yeah. um, you know that one uh, guys he posted this glowing thing on there he might have been in Czechoslovakia but he was like this I love this I've listened to it over and over and it's like <laughs> that as a musician that's what you want to hear every now and because I don't play I don't go out and play live it's that would be gosh you know people that do that god bless them I, I you know going into bars and smoky bars and 
playing in places like that, you know, you can have it. <laughs> but anyways, I really appreciated your your uh, your fans on that. Well, yeah, and they and they do definitely like it. One of the best comments I saw about that recently was that uh, the end screen says there's no reason to watch any longer. This is just an anti spoiler screen. And somebody commented, what about the amazing song? I, I, <laughs> I like this a lot. That's a reason to listen. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe we should change that wording. I wonder what um, my uh, music, you know, I'm an ASCAP member, and that song's registered with them. I'm surprised it hasn't come up. And I, I thought about that one day, and, and I'm like, oh, I hope that doesn't cause uh, Falcon any problems. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Not to this point. But I should get paid for all that. I mean, I don't know how they pay you, but I should. I mean, the song's been played probably a couple hundred thousand times by now. <laughs> That's an excellent point. <laughs> we'll work the details out off air. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm not I'm not really going after that, to be honest with you. I'm just, you know, I, I get a kick out of it if a, somebody really big took one of my songs and did something with it. But I'm getting too old probably for that to happen because... You know, it's a, my friend plays with the outlaws that were big in the seventies and they're, these guys are on their sixties and they're still going strong. Hmm. And That's they're so just, cool. they're, yeah, they're, I mean, a lot of those bands are not that good years later. They're still awesome. Well, Rolling Stones are still going. What's your excuse? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. the Rolling Stones, you know, I said, Hey, the, when the guy who runs the band is 68 years old, he has a two year old kid from a wife who's like 25, 30 years younger than him. <laughs> You know, and he, and he looks like he's probably 50. He doesn't look like he's 68, 69 years old. Yeah, God bless true. him. Yeah. You know, you, maybe you guys will live to be 140, you know, because that's what's happening. Maybe. You know, maybe we'll attain, attain immortality before we end. I'm sure those. hoping somebody figures that one out before what will happen is I'll die and then they'll invent it next week. <laughs> yeah. They'll figure it out. Like, ah, oh, Don would have really liked this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it from us. Again, we'll put a link to Don's music in the show notes. You can always check him out at the end of my uh, Into the Void of Midnight Casts as well. And until next time, as always, thanks for listening and being here. We'll be back next week to probably talk some solo. And you take care of yourself. All right. Take care.
why is it doing this? I'll be up till three in the morning with this.